Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquentOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic. Thereof, this is the Power of Performance podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? What if your brand was one of the leading pioneers in cannabis banking, one of the most interesting podcast projects I ever did. It was for about a year and a half. I did a podcast with the president of Safe Harbor Financial, the pioneers in cannabis banking up in Colorado, with their president Sunday Seafree. We called it Sunday on Monday, the best show about cannabis banking that you can listen to any day of the week. And of course, as the, I think it's probably the first QSO that's ever gone public, uh, traded on the stock exchange now, and just amazing story. As I've said, they deserve their own wing in the Banking Hall of Fame. It is a fascinating story, and if you ever want to listen to those shows, all you have to do is just Google Sunday on Monday, Blog Talk Radio. It's a fascinating history, a fascinating story about people who saw a banking need and filled it. Just great American business success Story. And it's probably the podcast that I did where I learned the most about something that I didn't know a whole lot about. And so as we're rounding out the year, I wanted to check back in with Safe Harbor Financial. There's been a lot of stuff going on over there. And so we're going to visit today with Tyler Berline. He is the Chief Strategic Business Development Officer, and I'm looking forward to getting caught up with them. I can't believe it. Only two episodes left here as we head into year 13. I've always said, how how long are you going to do the show? I'm going to keep doing it as long as it keeps surprising me and delighting me. And the guests are always delightful, and a lot of times they surprise me. So I guess I'll be doing it for quite a while. We're going to go actually out to Arizona where Tyler is at, and we're going to do it all right after this. As we head into year 13, it is the Power Performance Podcast. Conference quality information without the rubber chicken dinner and without the expense report. Hey, his name is Tyler Berline. He's the Chief Strategic Business Development Officer at our friends up at Safe Harbor Financial. Hey, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us on the Power Performance Podcast. Uh, thanks for so much for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, awesome. Back in 2021, as part of my National Banking Podcast, I had an interview with Sunday Seafried of Safe Harbor Financial. It was my introduction to the cannabis banking marketplace. I wanted to ask our guest today, Tyler Berline, the Chief Strategic Business Development Officer at Safe Harbor Financial. Tyler, how did you get started in the cannabis banking marketplace? Yeah, so, yeah, so let me say this real high level quickly. Um, you started with the best possible person, Sunday, has obviously been a pioneer in this space uh, and was one of the first, if not the first, to bank in the country. 
uh, I started with a tech provider by the name of Hyper. And Hyper was built to give financial institutions the ability to bank highly regulated cash-intensive industries. So I got thrown into the first bank in the state of Colorado that decided to bank this market. That's where I started to learn the industry. Uh, and I've, I've been throughout most financial institutions uh, in the, in the uh, 10 years since. I've been amazed at how fast Safe Harbor has grown. They really are one of the, the first and best brands in the entire history of cannabis banking, aren't they? Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, Sunday literally wrote the book on cannabis banking that many literally. abide by. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, people don't realize that still to this day, bank and credit union regulators do not have finite guidance on how to examine an institution banking the state legal cannabis industry. So in many ways, you know, she was in, and continues to be the leader from a compliance standpoint. Um, and I would argue, you know, probably informed many of the uh, regulatory oversight uh, criteria that, you know, that exist today. The next thing I wanted to ask you about is this. I think, I think the cannabis marketplace needs its own version of the, the Council of Trent, the Reformation, whatever you want to call it. There are two distinct parts of the cannabis marketplace. There's the lifestyle. Hey, look how much fun we're having in Las Vegas, you know, enjoying some pre-rolls or whatever. And that's great. That's fun. But I think the grown-ups need to be in charge of the marketplace. And to have some absolutes, like never calling this product pot or weed, it's cannabis. Where it's legal, it is legal. It should not be treated any differently than any other commodity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think we're seeing that happen over time, right? I think the, the stigma with cannabis, I would say, has drastically dwindled. You know, I, I don't know what the latest polling numbers are, but I want to say the vast majority of Americans support, you know, broad-scale cannabis legalization. Um, and, you know, on the banking side, it's been interesting because back at the beginning, many institutions did not want to enter this market due to what they perceived as reputational risk. So if, if they got into the space, they were worried that their existing client base was going to work against them and leave if they thought they were supporting the cannabis industry. And what we found is it actually worked in reverse. Communities rallied behind the institutions that decided to take this line of business because they saw what was happening um, and they knew what the risk of cash being on the streets was. So, um, you know, I've seen that. I've seen that stigma dissipate over the years, and I think we're going to see that trend continue. Another thing we talked about in the setup, and I've seen you post about it online, I think leaders in the cannabis marketplace need to take some of the profits and some of the money that's made legally and, and legitimately in this marketplace and support advocacy for nonviolent incarcerated cannabis offenders. Is that something that you agree with? I do. I think that I think that onerous should probably fall on the states when they go to legalize it. Uh, because you gotta remember there's a massive amount of tax revenues coming in to each market as these markets launch their program. So whether they're medical or recreational, you've got this this huge tax basis and I think that to to make sure that it happens the right way I would like to see more states incorporate that into their legislation when they go to approve a market, right? Or go back now and, and try and address some of those issues. Uh, because my, my faith in the federal government to get it done is not high.
Uh, and I think we're seeing that play out right now with, with some of the legislative issues. Well, I agree with you. That's, it's actually pretty cool. You're talking about if, let's just say, the state of Arkansas is going to legalize cannabis for recreational use in that same legislative bill, what you're saying is that should also include that we're going to offer amnesty to people who might be locked up right now for nonviolent cannabis offenses. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's a way to make sure that it gets done correctly, right? Um, relying on the private sector, you know, to have any uh, sway there is, is probably, you know, not going to be successful. Um, yeah. Or special interests will get involved, and, you know, we know how that works. You know, we, we've seen that in, in virtually every market. So um, I think the more it can be writ written in legislatively, the better off for the industry. I would agree. I would agree. Recently, you posted on LinkedIn about the sales of cannabis in Arizona and the monster numbers. And we're seeing this in all the states where it is, where it is legal. And yet, in those states, there's no corresponding headlines about increases in heroin or methamphetamines or other kind of addictions. I wanted to ask you, since you're an expert in this marketplace, is it time to at least rethink the axiom that cannabis is a gateway drug? I think without question. Uh, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't have the studies readily available, but I've seen, you know, multiple articles written about the fact that, you know, the data is, is contradictory to the assumption that cannabis is a gateway drug, right? So um, I think that, again, going back to the stigma conversation, I think as more and more states roll out and have success, and as the market proves itself and the demand continues to increase and the tax revenues go to good causes, I think all of those arguments against it, again, start to dissipate um, and they become irrelevant. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I don't think in any market we've seen, you know, this massive increase of, of crime or other types of drugs um, come into the markets as a result of cannabis legalization. And, and the statistics and the empirical evidence will absolutely back you up. We are closing out the year that is 2022. It's been an amazing year for Safe Harbor. Y'all went public. I, I am convinced you were the first, quote, unquote, credit union QSO to ever go public. Tell us about 2020, 2022 and what we can expect to see from Safe Harbor Financial in 2023. Yeah, 2022 has been a, a year of, of growth, and, and with growth comes pain in some cases. And what I mean by that is going through the process of going public um, and, and everything that comes with that. And then we acquired Abaca, which is a, a fintech company that is very complementary to where we're going. So I, I think that we've been using 2022 to lay the foundation for, I would say, broad expansion in 2023 and ongoing. So. Um, we've got some very exciting things, you know, we feel, uh, you know, are coming. Uh, we understand this industry inside and out. Uh, the, the team is really incredible. Um, we understand where the pain points are in the market. We understand what it's going to take to solve those. And we feel that we have the unique ability to do those in a way that's going to really, really benefit the industry and make us stronger exponentially stronger going forward. So very excited about 
the work that's that's you know gotten done this year and and you know equally if not more excited about what we're about to do well i'm looking forward to it as well we always love to end the show on kind of a kind of a fun question not necessarily related to business we're closing out the year it is december if you look back on when you were young maybe in your childhood do you have a favorite christmas gift that you ever got oh wow uh you know, we didn't grow up with much, so every gift I received was, was pretty impactful. But, you know, I would say my first bike was probably the yep. the one I could remember the most. You know, I know that sounds simplistic, but, again, when you when you don't have much, uh, you know, everything is, everything is a, a, a big deal. Well, I would have bike on my, on my short list of great Christmas presents. Listen, it's been a great year. For Safe Harbor Financial, as you know, I did a year-long special podcast series called Sunday on Monday with Sunday Seafree talking about the banking, cannabis banking marketplace leading up to going public. I, I meant what I said. I think this is a dynamic marketplace, and it should be a fun marketplace, but the grown-ups have to be in charge of the money, and Safe Harbor Financial is a solid, mature, proven brand. And I was so glad to get you on the show, Tyler. Thank you so much for joining us on the Power Performance Podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. Great job. So, Colorado. So great to catch up with the team at Safe Harbor Financial. You know, I went on two trips during the entire pandemic, and one of them was to Colorado to the Safe Harbor offices. And and when I say I want the grown-ups to be in charge, I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way. A lot of smart young people in the cannabis marketplace. But over the course of the past two years, I've seen an awful lot. I, I called it a green rush. You know, people rushed into this business. And the simple fact is there's some absolutes about business that exist no matter what marketplace you're in. And you have to bring in more money than you send out. And I saw a lot of young people complaining about being laid off, and it's like, well, what have you done? You know, you have to produce. I've had a lot of people contact me that want to come on the show and talk about this, and I do my research, and you just can't keep saying that you are revenue neutral. Unless you're the U.S. Congress, you can't get away with that for a year after year after year. I meant what I said. The Safe Harbor team, the Safe Harbor story deserves its own wing in the Banking Hall of Fame, the Credit Union Museum, wherever they have things that acknowledge great and transformational pioneering work in the banking marketplace. You're not going to find a more compelling story than Safe Harbor Financial, from where they started to where they are. Well, here's where we are with one episode left. Next week, we're going to go up to beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota, to visit with a young, talented, up-and-coming banking professional, one Miss Savannah Givens from Highway Credit Union in beautiful Minnesota. You don't want to miss that. And then we're going to be on hiatus till the year 2023 can't even believe it. My name is Jason Dyes. Thank you so much for listening to the Power Performance Podcast, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? Until next we speak, I'll talk to you all next week. Take care.